Welcome to the Family Life Church Podcast. We hope you're blessed and encouraged to share this with someone you know. Subscribe or visit thefamilylife.org for more information. Looking at the book of Psalms, the 49th Psalm. I'm glad you're in church tonight. It's good to be in church. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 And I'm thankful tonight for the blessings of the Lord that make us rich and add no sorrow to it. Goodness, it is just good to be in God's presence. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for the word tonight. I trust now what I'm going to say tonight are things we have heard before. Um, There's something about the repetition of of hearing things, something about the repetition of, of revisiting things. As soon as I get done reading the Bible every year, Um, and and I know we all work on different schedules and how we read the Bible and what we do, but as soon as whatever day that is that I get done reading the Bible, um, I immediately start that day reading the Bible again. As soon as I finish up, I just start it. As a matter of fact, I, I, I read different versions of the Bible throughout the year, but there's always one particular pat, a plan that I follow here. And as soon as I get that plan done, I just immediately start right back on that plan yet again that day. As soon as I close it, I open it, And I start again because I always find that there's something new that I find that I did not find before. And there's something that I need to know that maybe I have known, but I need to be reminded of again. We sing songs again. We quote scriptures again. It's not because it's vain repetition. No, it is because it's the necessity of the food, the bread of life that we live by. So we're here on a Wednesday night because we need to make it to Thursday. And we need to make it to Friday. And we need to make it to Saturday and Sunday and we need to repeat it and do it all again. What you're doing is not in vain. Amen. The Bible said that he doesn't forget our works of righteousness. So if you feel like that all those things that you've done through the years or said or been or attended or been faithful to, didn't matter. No, it matters. God does not forget our works of righteousness. It's not that we're working our way into righteousness, but it is the result of righteousness. We have righteous works because we have beliefs in our hearts. Amen. I'm thankful for it. Hear this, all you people. Give ear, all you inhabitants of the world. Now, I'm going to read this entire psalm here. It's only 20 verses, so, uh, but I'll be speaking more so about three or four verses of it. But I thought it was good for us just to look at the whole picture, and uh, that way we have an understanding. Hear this, all you people. Give ear, all you inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor. Look at that now. Both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my hills shall compass me about? They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. That he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die likewise, the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue, continue forever, and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man... Being in honor abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. This their way is their folly, yet their posterity approve their sayings. Selah. Think about it. Like sheep 
They're laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Selah. Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased, for when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. Now, if you encapsulate this, this passage that the psalmist was talking about, obviously he's talking about wealth, poverty. He's talking about life. He's talking about no matter what you get or what you don't get, what you have, what you don't have, we all go to the same place and we can't take anything with us. It all remains here. We can call lands and after our own names, we can say we've had this, but we're just like any other beast, any other flesh. The flesh perishes, it passes away. Corruption, it, it goes back to the dust. And, and so what remains though is the soul. You and I, the spirit, that's what matters. And so that's what uh, the psalmist was saying. And then he said in the middle of it all there, he talked about precious redemption. Precious redemption. And that's what I want to talk to you tonight. Precious redemption. Father, I pray that you would touch our minds and our hearts and help us to understand this word and that we might embrace it, God, and we might remember it and we might live it out. And I thank you, God, that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. And thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. In great peace have all they which love thy law. Nothing shall offend them, God. And so tonight, help us, Lord, to remember the price that you paid for us, this precious redemption that we have. Thank you, God, that you have given it to us so freely. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to live this life accordingly for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, anoint us all and anoint me, Father, I pray. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. God bless you. In the name of the Lord, you may be seated. Would you clap, clap your hands in praise to God now and give him thanks. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. How wonderful you are, God. It was in the book of Daniel. Now, let me lay a little groundwork here. I'm not speaking from the book of Daniel. Matter of fact, we won't even probably read it. I don't think I put it down. But nonetheless, let me just give you a little bit of background, a little foundation stone. It was in the book of Daniel, the fifth chapter, that Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, made a feast, the word said. And it was during that feast that he drank wine, and those princes and those others that had gathered with him there at that feast, and they became drunk and, and inebriated, and, and while doing so, drinking the wine, he commanded that the vessels of gold and silver that were taken from the temple prior to the captivity of the children of Israel were to be brought and they were to be used, those vessels were to be used in the temple for the service of the Lord, the silver and the gold vessels. But he had them to be brought and there at that particular feast, Belshazzar and those gathered with him began to drink wine out of them. And while they did so, the word said that while they were drinking the wine out of those vessels of gold and silver that had been dedicated and used in the temple in Jerusalem, um, that while they were drinking the wine that they began to praise the false gods of, uh, of gold and, and, and silver and, and brass and iron and wood and stone, base elements in other words, created objects. You understand this? This was significant about this. Um, they brought these dedicated holy things to, that had been consecrated to God and they began to desecrate them by reveling, by drinking wine out of them 
inebriated, and they begin to worship false gods while doing so, uh, while not in their right mind in the control of their capacities. They begin to make decisions based upon false gods, and they worship base elements, created things. Uh, things created by the creator, they begin to worship the base elements. And so uh, they took the holy things, desecrated them, and made lesser things more important than God and what had been consecrated to him. And in turn, they began to worship uh, those gods. It was then that the fingers appeared. You know the story, meaning, meaning, tickle, you farce, and I think the word said, uh, and the fingers appeared and, and began to ride on the wall and the king's countenance changed, his thoughts were troubled, his joints were loosed, and his knees even, the Bible said, began to shake. Um, he called for those who could interpret it and to tell him the meaning of the words that were written on the wall. And Daniel was called and offered the interpretation to the king and, and was told uh, to the king there that he had been weighed in the balance and had been found wanting. And that night, the king was slain. The meaning was simple. He was weighed, his life, his choices, his decisions uh, that he made, the priorities that were, it was all put in the balance of life and spirit, and he was found wanting. It was tipping in favor of the flesh. The balance, all the things of life, all the things that he had done, all the choices that he had made, and obviously so, especially there at the end when he took the things of God and desecrated them and began to worship false gods, he was found wanting and he was slain. The things that mattered, <clears throat> the, the one that mattered w- was not given his rightful place, God who mattered. God who, the, who Belshazzar's father knew was God and proclaimed was God, now Belshazzar's being king did not proclaim him as God. He had knowledge, but he did not use that knowledge that was given. Spiritual things, understand this now, Spiritual things were treated as insignificant. Spiritual things were treated as no longer valued or reverenced. God was not worshiped and praised, and, and, and the one true God was not served. Elements, gold, silver, stone, wood, iron, um, created things were revered more than the creator of those things. This is desperately important to understand in this particular uh, culture and generation that we are living in right now. Created things were served more than the creator of the created things. It was the energies were put on creation. Uh, The worship, the allegiance, the attention, the affection, the praise was given to created things, not the creator of the things. Uh, It's still the painful path that humanity often takes, putting things in the temporals of this life as more important uh, than God. Now, I told you I'm going to remind you of some things tonight. It may not be that profound, but it is still the truth, and it is still the thing that we deal with in this particular time. Um, Humanity takes things, temporal things, tangible things of this life and ultimately makes those things more important than God. And the psalmist recognized that imbalance of this, of this value system that people often serve and feel saved by. Because the truth of the matter is, now I won't go too deeply into this, but let me just say this. We often feel saved by those things. Or at least we feel safe by those things. Uh, we feel that if we have them, if they're around us, if, if we're surrounded, the, most, the one with the most, most toys at the end of the day wins kind of thing. Right. We think if we, the more we get, the more we got, the more safe we are. Not so. Right. That's right. It never works. That's right. uh, it's an imbalance. That's 
And, and as a matter of fact, it can, it can put us in, in the balance of spiritual things and find our lives very, very much so wanting. In the first verse of Psalms 49, look at this. In the first verse of Psalms 49, he called for all to hear, to give ear. We read it a moment ago. The low, the high, um, the rich, the poor, all together. He called all together to hear. Didn't matter what the lot in life was or was not. Didn't matter how it was viewed, the high, the low, the rich, the poor. Everybody needed to hear the message. It was the level playing ground that he wanted to be understood because it did not matter what they had or did not have. It did not matter where they had come from, how they looked at their life or who they were. What mattered was that they understood no matter what, everybody needs this. No matter what we think or how we assess it, everybody needs God. Um, it, it was just a level playing ground. Can everybody get this right now? Everybody needs to understand this in the church and in the world. When you come to the cross, everybody's on the same level. Right. Doesn't matter the past or the pedigree or the lack thereof. Everybody's on the same level. We all need Jesus. Right. Everybody does. It doesn't matter how smart or how dumb we might think we are or somebody else's. Everybody needs the Lord. So when you're talking to somebody out on the street and they might flash some credential at you, remember, that is just a soul that needs saving. When you meet somebody on the street that doesn't have anything to offer you, amen, and they're asking for you to give them something, remember, that is a soul that needs saving. Amen. It's just the level playing ground that we all are on. That's the wonderful thing about the church. Amen. That's what James talked about. Be careful when somebody comes to the church that you don't treat them in a different way. Why? Because everybody needs Jesus. How high they thought they were or low, no amount of wealth or lack thereof, David was saying, release them from the message that needed to be heard. The necessity of salvation is common to all humanity. No matter who we are, how we feel about ourselves or others, everybody needs saving. If you've been raised in the church, if you have not been raised in the church, if you were raised in the church but you didn't live for God while you were being raised in the church, everybody needs saving. If you were the perfect person on the pew all your life, Everybody needs saving. Amen. And there's no amount of wealth or work that we can offer that will be sufficient enough to buy our way into it. It's just the truth of the matter. Let's go back and look. Verse number six and go down through nine. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. None of them can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious and it ceaseth forever that he should still live forever and not see corruption. Nothing and no one other than Jesus Christ can pay the ransom for the soul of man. Not one thing, not a bank account, not a house, not a mortgage, not a car, not a person, not somebody in power or authority, nobody. Nobody how good or how bad, nobody how holy or unholy, nobody can pay the ransom. For your soul and mine, but Jesus Christ. For the redemption of the soul is precious. Or, or better said, if you look at the translation of this, the redemption of the soul is costly. It was, it was a costly price that he paid for us. Do we recognize that truth tonight? It was the ultimate highest price that could be paid for mine and yours salvation. Therein is the thing that we often forget, the costly price that was paid for our soul. We forget that. We forget that. When we are sinning, we forget that. When we are looking at something that we should not be looking at, amen, we forget that. When we are pleasing our flesh that we should not be pleasing, we forget that. We forget the high price that he paid for us. 
that he was willing to suffer, bleed, die on Calvary's cross, be buried in a dark tomb, and rise again so that you and I would not have to pay the price of death. Mine. Look at this in Timothy, if you would, please. This is profound to me, this message. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Jesus Christ paid the precious, costly price for our salvation. He paid the ransom that was held against us. You and I were held captive by sin, but we have been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. We have been taken out. Come on, every now and then, I'm not saying that you need to go back and rehearse your sins and your wrongs. Put them under the blood and leave them there. But every now and then we need to go to the mirror and we need to remind ourselves that he paid a high price for us to be saved. He paid a high price for us to sit in this church tonight. Amen. And when we dishonor and discredit God and we have a difficulty in coming to church because of this or that or living for God in this world right now because it's just so much surrounding us and there's such an influence, can I tell you that the price that he paid, it's worth everything that I can live for him because he loved me that much and he loved you that much to live this life. Amen. Amen. He paid a precious price. It's the accumulation of this life, the things and and the preoccupations that get in the way and tend to make us lose sight of how much he gave for us, his life. Uh, we lose sight because we get so much in between us and him. Uh, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the way the world and life is? It, so much gets in the way. So much gets in our thought process. It should be ever precious to us, this truth. I recognize the simplicity of this, but I, I, I don't want to underestimate the, the value of it that he paid such a price. So it, is, it should be precious to us. This truth, this way of life, this reasonable service that Romans said we should give is nothing in comparison for what he did. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is what? You're reasonable, reasonable. It is my reasonable service to do this. He's not asking too much of us to be faithful. He's not asking too much of us just to live a life for him. He's not asking too much of us to push the plate aside and fast a day or two. He's not asking too much of us to open the book, amen, and shut off the TV and read a little bit of his word. He's not asking too much of us when that spirit within us convicts us and reminds us that we need to get up and pray instead of doing what we're doing. It's not, it's not unreasonable when we look at the price that he paid for us. It should be ever precious to us. It should be something that we willingly do. If it were to be weighed in the balance as was Belshazzar, in which direction the scale would tip? Would it be the flesh or would it be the spirit? If we put our life in the balance and we honestly looked at it without any of the rose-colored glasses that we often look at our life through, uh, which way would the balance tip in our life? If that finger came and wrote on the wall tonight, which way uh, would it tell us that we are weighing? Are we weighing more in spirit or, or flesh? And, amen. Jesus said this in Matthew. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In the economy of God, in the economy of God, it is not what we gain, but what we lose or what we give up to gain what we cannot afford to lose. It, it's what we decide that, that we're just going to put it all on the line. People are exchanging their salvation for such trivial things in this world today. Right, right. They are willing more to please their 
flesh for a moment than to be saved for eternity. Do we still believe that here? Do you still believe that? I still believe there is something about putting it all on the line and, and gaining heaven. Gaining eternity. Not looking back. Deciding that it's worth the life to live it. That it's worth, it's worth dedicating our heart to. Uh, if we gain the whole world and lose our soul, what have we gained? Nothing. Nothing. What is worth exchanging the value of salvation for? Come on, we have got to get to that point to where we remember that. Because it is frivolous. There is a spiritual frivolity that is in a, at work in our world right now. We are not easily convicted in our world. We are not, we're not, uh, the Bible even talks about this. We're not blushing anymore. It, it, we're, not, we're not blushing anymore. It doesn't bother us. We're so jaded and, and desensitized to it in, in our surroundings that when things are said or things are presented to us, it, it doesn't make us recoil. We just kind of stand there as like, oh, well, that's just the way it is. That's old. It's, there should be something within the Holy Ghost. Mm, somebody preach with me right now. Something within the Holy Ghost that, that makes us take a step back and say, oh, no, no, no. I'm not of that spirit. I'm not of the world. I'm not, that's not me. I don't agree with that. Something's, something's off base here. Amen. Because can I tell you, we can call it old-fashioned, we can say it's outdated or whatever. The, the Word of God, is, uh, it, it spans all generation gaps. It, it reaches to all people of all time. Do you believe that? He said he's going to pour out his Spirit upon all flesh, the young and the old alike. Amen. What that scripture was saying, and when it comes to salvation and the work of the cross and, 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 and the Word of God, it, there is no generation gap. There is no cultural disconnect. Uh, the, the word of God, the, the truth of God, the judgment of God, the blood of Christ, it all reaches to all people for all time. And, and we can't think that somehow, well, that was good then, but it's not necessary now. Or, or that was something that needed to be said then, but we don't need to talk about that now. There are certain things that we need to hear in our life and our mind again and again and again and again and again and be reminded, I must live for God. I've got to give my life and I don't want the world. I want salvation. I want the Savior. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. If we gain the whole world and lose our soul, what have we gained? Look at this, please. For the redemption of the soul of their soul is precious. Now, let me just break this down real quickly. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. forever. Uh, this prophetic verse, this was a prophetic verse now. Uh, it was pointing to, to Christ. It, it re, this prophetic verse reached through the tapestry of time and and spoke of the one sacrifice in the end of the world. So that's what it was saying here in the last phrase of this particular verse. Now, if you would, let's, let's jump all the way to the book of Hebrews now. And so this is where it's leading us to in Hebrews, the ninth chapter. For then must he have often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and to them that look for him he shall, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. The psalmist in verse eight there that we just read a moment ago said it ceaseth forever, meaning it was enough. That's what he was saying. The sacrifice of Christ pointed to a time ahead was enough. There was no need for another. Why? Because Jesus Christ was the perfect sacrificial lamb. The lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He was, so it was once in the end of the world. Paul said once in the end of the world, he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. There is nothing, that is saying there is nothing that we can do that would ever be enough because he has already been enough. Everybody believe this? 
There's nothing that we can do to make it better. There's nothing that we can do, amen, to save ourselves. He was enough to save us. He was enough to cover our sins. He was enough to pay the price. Amen. If somebody tells you that you need to do more to work your way into salvation, that, that's not true. Amen. Because he paid the price. What you need to do is, is believe and have faith. Repent. Be baptized in his name. Be washed and covered by the blood. Receive his spirit in your life. Amen. He's enough. What he did for us was precious. It was costly. He willingly did it because his love is perfect. We heard it a few weeks ago when he preached. Uh, his love is complete. It, it's the capacity of Christ was complete to us. It was enough. It is still enough. And can I tell somebody, I pray this. I try to pray this prayer every day. I try to thank God uh, that he is victorious. I try to remember to do this every day. And it's, it's changed the way I look at things when I pray. I try to remember, one, that Christ is victorious, and I praise him and thank him for it. And I also praise and thank him that he is eternal. Uh, but I also go a little step further and I praise and thank him and worship him that he is present. Because I cannot look at Christ that he was just, he was, I must look that he is. He is present. You really believe that? He rose from the grave. He's alive forevermore. He is present. He is omnipresent, but Jesus Christ is present with us. Amen. It cannot be that we lose the value of who he is and what he did for us. It can't be that, that this world and all that it offers and all that we think we can gain and get and have outweighs the worth that Jesus Christ is. Yeah. This world has nothing to offer. This world has nothing to save us. This life that we, we live out there that we have to live, and I recognize that, and God intends for us to do so. He didn't mean for you to go crawl in a cave somewhere and die. He meant for us to live as a light, salt and light in this earth. But I've got to remember no matter how much we get and gain and what's around us and how safe we feel because of it, that's never going to save me. But oh, the blood. <laughs> Hear me. Uh, the vessels that were dedicated to God were not precious to Belshazzar. When the worth of the world takes greater value and precedence over things of God in him, we become imbalanced. That is the message tonight. When the weight of the world, when the things of the world, when things of life take greater value and precedence in our life, we get imbalanced. We get imbalanced spiritually. Now, I say this cautiously, but I say this honestly from the perspective of the pulpit. Uh, after this many years of being in a pulpit, I have seen people come and go in the church. And whenever somebody begins to backslide out of the church, it always begins in the heart with an imbalance. Every time. And I've said this before, it's never a one-time event. It's not a, it's not a blowout. It, it's a slow leak over time. Uh, because usually what happens, it's the accumulation of our own inconsistencies and carnality that gets into our life. And one by one, through acceptance, we become disillusioned and we lose sight of what is most important, that is Jesus. And all of a sudden, where we started out, where the things of the Spirit outweighed more, uh, pretty soon we accumulate carnal things and and carnal thinking and, and fleshly desires and, and, and the, the scale begins to tip. And we find ourselves losing out with God. It cannot be that the world and the things of the world and carnality become of greater value than that of God. We must love Jesus. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. <laughs> For he means more, more than all this world to me. Isn't that the truth? I really believe that tonight. He, he, he means more. Yeah. 
more than this world, more than anything, more than all that we could get or gain or, or go to. Jesus Christ means more. He means more. Anybody feel that way tonight? He means more to me. It means more than just a pleasure for a moment. It means more to me than just, uh, than just this, the things around me that the world says I have to be or have to have. No, God means more. Amen. And, and I hope you understand this when I say, he, he, means more than, he means more to me than you. He means more to me than family. He means more to me than, than anything this world can offer. This is precious redemption. This is costly redemption. Amen. Amen. I'm going to finish with a scripture tonight, and I'll be done. And I hope you understand this. In Philippians, the third chapter, the seventh verse. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. <laughs> I found something that outweighs this world. And his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody love the Lord with me right now. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Come on, somebody just stand to your feet and just let's, for, let's just pray for a while. God, I love you. I thank you, Lord, that you are so, so wonderful and you are of great value to me, God. This is precious redemption, a costly redemption that you paid for my life, that you were willing, God, to, uh, to robe yourself in flesh and die on the cross, Jesus, be buried in the tomb and rise again for my and all people's salvation. Oh God, you're so faithful and just. God, I don't want to ever put anything in my life that would outweigh the greatness and the goodness of who you are. I don't want anything, Lord, to keep me from heaven. God, help me, convict me, speak to me, touch me. Come on, pray this prayer with me. God, whatever the cost, don't let me be lost. Whatever it takes, God, help me to be saved. Help me to remember the price you paid for me, God. Help me to remember, Lord, the way that you brought me and what you've done for me, Lord. Help me to remember, God, that you loved me so much that you would die for me on the cross, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you're gracious that way, that you love our kids and you love our families and you love this world that much, God. You love us perfectly. I love you, Jesus. Come on, somebody thank him right now. Somebody praise him. I praise you, God. And I worship you for this truth. I'm thankful I was raised now. I'm thankful that somebody told me about you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. How worthy you are, God. How great and mighty. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice to him. God, I give you praise because you are the sovereign savior of the world. Hallelujah. Our world needs you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that I found you. Help me to show somebody your love, God. How wonderful you are, God. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. I want to remind everybody what your family needs is Jesus. What the people at your work need is Jesus. I know they talk to you about what's broken and bad and, and how it feels. Amen. Just remember, every time you're talking to somebody that's, that's cursing and they, they don't know what to do and their life seems like they're, it's falling apart, you know what they're looking for? They're looking for what you've got. 
They're looking for Jesus, the one who paid the price. You need to tell them about the Lord. You need to point them to the one that can satisfy what's missing in their life. He is still the answer for the world. Anybody believe that with me right now? If you do, just one more time, give him thanks. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. I thank you, God.